0: For decades, Florida has been a national leader in providing quality education options for our students and our parents, and that is exactly what House Bill 1 seeks to do today. House Bill 1 will be transformational for our educational system, and here's
1: why. We're expanding ed- uh, educational eligibility for FTC and FESEO scholarships to include any student that is a resident of Florida and eligible to
0: enroll in kindergarten through grade 12 in a public school. We're expanding authorized uses for FTC and FES-EO funds to provide
1: parents with more options, such as pers- purchasing instructional materials and private tutoring. And my personal favorite, the bill increases the number of eligible students with disabilities served by the FES-UA scholarship so that we can meaningfully commit to eliminating that waitlist. All right, I'm a big believer in you always start with the facts and then you start a- assessing the uh, you know the perspective you ought to have on those facts. And the facts of this HB1 which Kaylee Tuck there was introducing in its first committee on uh, subcommittee on choice and innovation in education. Um, she says, "Look, first of all, we're going to expand the uh, Florida vouchers to include all students, regardless of income level. Currently, it's a 400 percent of the federal uh, poverty line. Uh, it's right around uh, hundred thousand dollars is what you know. Currently, you're not eligible for it, uh, and the current payout is the the primary scholarship is about seventy seven hundred. There's a couple of other ones, things like." I forget transportation is one. there's just there's a couple of other ones that go along with this but the main one is right in the eight grand per child per year in average across the state of Florida. It's different in each county, but that's kind of the general average. And uh, this would make it so that if you earn two hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or a million or ten million dollars a year, you are eligible for that money for your children. also, you would have uh, trying. They're trying to eliminate the waiting list for special needs kids. Right now, there are way more special needs kids that want vouchers than can get them, and they're trying to expand that and get rid of that backlog. And then third, it does make uh, the te- the um, uh, the vouchers available. It, they put basically they put it into an education savings account, and then you spend it out of that account on allowable uses is the way this would work, and uh, this would include for homeschoolers homeschoolers, the first 10,000 would be available, and then the next year would be 20,000 would be available. And the use there would be for tuition, curricula, materials. You know, if you have, like, a private instructor, something like that. Uh, Transportation, I believe, is part of that. You you know, mom's not going to get paid if she's teaching her kids. Okay, that's not part of the proposal. Um, And my wife, she laughed. She's like, who could ever spend $8,000 on homeschooling expenses? (laughs) I'm like, look, I'm just telling you what the bill says. Um, So anyway, this is the bill. And, uh, you know, Democrats are opposed. And, you know, I've raised a lot of questions about this bill. I want to do something I wouldn't normally do, but I want to give an extended period of time here to let one of who I thought was actually one of the most well-spoken, articulate critics of the bill uh, give his view. OK, so this is a guy named Scott Hottenstein. He is. Um, well, you'll hear. OK, he has a lot to say.
2: Good morning. Uh, I'm Scott Hottenstein, still president of the Democratic Public Education Caucus of Florida. I stand before you the proud product of 14 years of private Christian school education. My education launched me to the Naval Academy, a 24-year career in the Navy, And a second career as a civics teacher, where I was a 2019 Teacher of the Year finalist for Hillsborough County.
1: Okay, so, you know, he had a private education. He had a really great life as a result of that. And, by the way, he's not Seth Rogen. (laughs) In case you were wondering, although he does kind of sound like him quite a bit.
2: For families who look to voucher schools, the King's Academy, where I graduated, and Berean Christian, where I attended from pre-K to 8th, are the perfect image of where they want their student to attend. And those schools are the illusion that HB1 presents. But reality does not meet imagination for low-income families. King's Academy does not accept vouchers, and the tuition for Berean is thousands of dollars above what a voucher will offer. These great schools are unattainable to most, even with this voucher program.
1: Because they still charge quite a bit more money than the voucher will cover? or because they don't take the vouchers. That's what he's getting at. And that is an ex- that's a very fair criticism because I think he's right that for uh, you know, for the person who makes 120 that is not eligible now but would be eligible under the new system, okay? They might be thinking, "God, I can finally get my kid out of this crummy school and I can get him into this really wonderful private school." And he's like, "Well, you know, look, um, maybe not still. Also, there's no guarantee they get accepted." But even for the parents who make not very much money and are eligible right now, getting them into a genuinely good school is not always available because, again, of you know limited enrollment or the cost or the fact that they don't take the vouchers anyway. We'll tell you about more of that in just a second. Before that, we got Jenna Barr in here with Traffic on the Fives.
0: Heading to Mary Esther on 98, heading eastbound on Navarre Parkway, you'll see some stop-and-go traffic starting around Windhaven Beach area until you get to Hurlburt Field. Field. Taking a look at Pensacola heading into Pace, you will see some slowdowns on Highway 90 heading eastbound. And front gate of NES Pensacola is still backed up beginning around the fourth quarter barbershop in the area of Bayou Grand Lane. Fog is expected this morning on your drive, so double check that those headlights are on. Have a traffic tip, call 850-2626-111. I'm Jenna Varr for News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable.
1: Thanks so much, Jenna. So back to Scott Hottenstein uh, from uh, the conversation about the voucher plan. HB1 in the House last week.
2: Well, the Florida DOE Florida School Choice website provides a downloadable spreadsheet of all 3,097 private schools in the state. So I downloaded it. Here's what I found 2,311 of those schools, private schools, accept vouchers. Of those voucher schools, 712 are for profit. So, 31 percent of voucher schools in Florida explicitly seek to monetize our children for their own financial gain. More concerning is that 1,598 of the voucher schools are unaccredited. That means that 69 percent of voucher schools have no oversight into the quality of their academic instruction. This is why voucher schools have no positive effect on student achievement, as studies have shown.
1: By the way, I think his math is wrong. I think it's actually right around 50%. But still, the point holds that lots of schools are not accredited. That doesn't mean they're not good. It does mean you don't have an official way of knowing whether they're good or not. I mean, there is a difference. Okay, A school can be good without being accredited, but not being accredited does sort of make you wonder. And then there's uh, something like 25% or so, 25 to 30% of the schools don't take the vouchers at all. And so that's statewide. I looked at our local schools. Escambia County has 39 private schools. Um, eight of those, 39, do not take vouchers. That's about the right percentage, about 25 to 30%, including Episcopal Day School, Pensacola Christian Academy, and Creative Learning Academy do not take vouchers. Okay? 25 of the 39, a little more than half, are not accredited. EDS, PCA, and CLA all are, by the way, just FYI. Um, and if you want to understand the cost in terms of whether the voucher will cover the education, um, at PCA, yes, PCA is, everybody recognizes, is a ridiculously cheap school. I mean, amazingly cheap. Uh, 3300 for kindergarten, uh, sorry, uh, $2,900 a year for uh, kindergarten, $3,300 for first through sixth, and $3,500 for seventh through twelve. What's the problem, though? They don't take vouchers. Okay, so it's inexpensive, but they don't take vouchers. EDS is 11,000 for K through 5 and about 13,000 for 6 to 8 and they don't take vouchers. The you know Creative Learning Academy is about 10,000 to 13,000 and they don't take vouchers. So the notion that you can get into the school you really want to get into and get the great education for your kids because you get this $8,000 a year voucher depends on the school taking the voucher or not. And then you have questions about the school being accredited or not. And so these are and whether the school will accept your student or not. All fair concerns. So and, and you know, the the concern and we talked about this with Danny Zimmerman during the rap on Friday. And he said, look, one of the problems you have when you monetize private school like this and you pay, say it's going to be eight thousand dollar subsidy. Well, what you get in a school that builds its cost model around eight thousand dollars a year is not great education. And that's a concern, too. That students who would go to a private school one year, two years come back because they're dissatisfied with the product, or they're unaccredited, so they're not doing a great I mean th- these are fair concerns. I was particularly interested in the issue of, you know, how many schools are accredited or not, because I downloaded the spreadsheet and I looked at the, you know, I looked at it. Okay. In Santa Rosa, by the way, the numbers are very comparable. Sixteen private schools, 15 are unaccredited, six don't take vouchers. Okay. Lighthouse private Christian Academy is the only one I looked up. They do take the vouchers, they're seventy five hundred dollars a year. Just so you kind of there's a range of options, but there's an awful lot of they don't take vouchers and there's a fair amount of they're not accredited. Again, it doesn't mean they're not good schools, but it means it's hard to tell. It's harder to be sure that they're a good school or not. 720 here on News Radio 92.3. And the thing I've been saying all morning that uh, I know if you listen to a lot of the show, you've heard me say a lot of this before. Uh, Some of it's new, but I know not everybody listens to the whole show. That's why I'm kind of talking about this a lot today, because I think this is a big deal for the state of Florida. This decision we're thinking about making to expand this program. And the one thing I would say is I just don't think that the higher income levels, there's any benefit to the state of funding those kids going to private school. What you basically have is right now, high income earners are paying for their kids to go to private school. And in the future, the state will be paying for those kids. It's no different to the schools because the schools are still going to get the money. It's just where they're getting it from. It is a cost to the state, and I don't think we get a result for it. Because I don't think that people earning three or four hundred thousand dollars a year are deciding not to go to private school because of the lack of an eight thousand a year voucher. so I I think there should be some kinds of mean test here but I'll tell you an alternative my wife actually came up with this and I think you know I'm gonna have to talk about this with uh, some of our representatives but I have a different thought about this which is if the goal is to get kids out of bad public schools instead of means testing it, what if we school grade tested it what if eligibility for the voucher came from your zoned school being a C, D, or F school? What, what if that was it? If everybody who lives in a zoned C, D, or F school got a voucher? Not only would that mean you're getting them out of the worst schools... But that would also, interestingly, that would de-disincentivize people from living in districts where they're zoned into a bad school. Because right now, people don't want to live in the cheaper housing, cheaper rent areas that have worse schools because of the worse schools. What if that weren't a reason not to move there? Now you have sort of better socioeconomic people moving into those areas instead of perpetuating the – just a a thought, okay, a thought. I don't think the Republicans are likely to budge on any of this, but – it's gonna be interesting to hear how the conversation goes forward. 722 on News Radio 923, I'm Andrew McKay.
2: Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby! Don't you put that on us?
3: Take it off.
1: Song 724 here on News Radio 92 3 informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola morning news. Uh, in the newsroom this morning, we got David Wang with our headlines. David,
3: a movie theater in Uvalde, Texas, is no longer planning to show a documentary about the Robb Elementary School shooting that left 21 dead. Apparently, there's been some uh, uh blowback from the victims' families on that. Many of the relatives saw the movie, it was titled Rob Robbed. Uh, it was supposed to be released this Friday. The documentary was uh, directed by Charlie Mann and featured interviews with six of the child survivors. Uh, The movie theaters issued a statement saying that it was inappropriate and they've dropped their plans to show the movie. NFL teams will have more money to spend next season. The salary cap cap is being increased to a new record of $224.8 million. That's a $16 million bump from this season. There's been some monkey business at the Dallas Zoo recently. Uh, Two monkeys came up missing and uh, Rob McGill, Well, with the Miami Zoo says there have been a number of incidents there.
2: I find it very hard to believe that all of these incidents are coincidence or that all of these incidents are the result of, you know, human error or defective equipment. Um, The more I hear about this, the more I think that there is malintent behind it.
3: And uh, zoo officials are saying they believe the habitats have been intentionally compromised.
1: Hmm. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. Jenna is in for candy this morning with traffic on the fives.
0: Heading to Mary Esther on Navarre Parkway, heading eastbound, you'll experience some stop and go traffic starting around Biscayne Boulevard area until you get to about Hurlbert Field. In Milton, Ward Basin Road is showing slowdowns in both directions in the area of East Milton Elementary School. And in Pensacola, heading into Pace, expect some slowdowns on Highway 90 heading eastbound as well. Front if of NES, Pensacola is still reporting delays beginning around around the fourth quarter barbershop in the area of Bayou Grand Lane. Fog is still expected on your morning drive, so double check that your headlights are on. Have a traffic tip, call 850-2626-111. I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable.
1: Thanks so much, Jenna. Uh, A couple of things, just a couple of texts I want to answer. Somebody here says, uh, Andrew, you mentioned it's amazing how uh, cheap uh, Pensacola Christian Academy is. Please share if that's good or bad and how. So uh, I think they are inexpensive because I don't know the finances, but my Understanding is it's basically because the college. Pays for the school, so they, you know, the college subsidizes the school heavily because it's a feeder for the college. It's like a public service, basically. Uh, and PCA is a great education, a very, very robust education. Um, I mean, there's a lot. You know, it's like you want to go get your kids a classical education, uh, go there for sure. Uh, somebody here says, "I'm sorry, but the state doesn't pay for schools. We pay, and we, uh, me and you, pay for schools. And parents paying for private schools or homeschooling pay twice." Well, no, that's. I mean, that's kind of the idea of this would be that instead of paying into the public public school you would be paying only for the voucher for the homeschoolers or for the private school this would kind of solve that problem of uh, the twice or it would avoid that problem of the twice paying uh let's see somebody else uh, had oh somebody had asked me about the concealed carry just a fact question since 18 year olds are not allowed to buy a handgun even under federal law right uh, but they can be gifted one the question is would they be eligible to carry it under permitless carry the answer is no because they are not eligible to get a permit now the new law says that only people who are eligible or would be eligible to get a permit are able to actually carry without a permit under the, the new proposal. So, no, 18-, 19-, and 20-year-olds would still not be able to carry concealed. Also, there's a specific provision in there for people from other states who are not concealed carry permit holders like from uh, Georgia or Alabama or wherever that we do have reciprocity with for permit holders. If they do not have a permit and they're here, they can carry, but they still have to be 21. Just kind of somebody had asked me that question. I wanted to make sure and follow up on it. 728 here on News Radio 92.3. 3. Uh, one of the other things the governor announced yesterday, we haven't talked about this much this morning, but the governor made a big announcement about funding for roads projects. And it's uh, like $3 billion, I think, uh, 3 or $4 billion in initially and then it's like seven billion dollars in leverage funds for fdot and a lot of this is going to go to central florida okay where they have problems (laughs) you know orlando like there was actually a guy yesterday he got up and talked and said that uh, he owns a fire um uh, service company and he's like i am specifically avoiding advertising in uh orlando because i can't afford the business i can't afford to have my drivers sitting in traffic doing nothing while they wait to get to orlando so if that ever gets fixed great and that's one of the things that they're going to work on But also, one of the projects that will get funded and accelerated under this is the I-10 widening west of nine mile to six lanes, like they've kind of done everywhere else, and the Diverging Diamond Interchange at Pine Forest and I-10. Now, if you've not seen the schematic, if you've not seen the video, if you've not driven a Diverging Diamond, all I can tell you is um, it'll weird you out. (laughs) It'll really bother you at first in the way that driving a roundabout bothers you at first, it's going to seem completely screwball to you. But they really work, they really make sense, and they really do avoid. They cut down on the number of conflicting traffic um, uh, lanes. That's how they work. And so basically what happens is you're driving along and then right under the interstate, you're going to split over to the left side and go directly onto the on ramp if you're doing that, and then after the un- the overpass, you're going to go back onto the right side. And I know if you've never driven one, that sounds insane. They are weird, but they work, and you get used to them pretty quickly. There's one in uh, Spanish Fort. You know, there's the I-10 exchange there in Spanish Fort has one of those. So it's not completely weird for our area, but it is one of the things that they're going to put in there. And given the utter cluster that Pine Forest at I-10 is right now, uh, this will be a big improvement after the even worse cluster of the uh, construction period. (laughs) So that'll be bad. David, what do you have coming up, sir?
2: Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Three Memphis, Tennessee EMTs are fired. Two more police officers are suspended over Tyree Nichols' beating during a traffic stop. Five are charged with murder.
0: The Memphis Police Department announced Officer Preston Hemphill and another unnamed officer were relieved of their duties. Hemphill was one of three officers on scene when Nichols was initially pulled over. He was shown pulling Nichols out of his car and can be heard saying, I hope they stomp his expletive.
2: Fox's Jackie Abanias. The actress Cindy Williams died, Shirley, on the 70s sitcom Laverne and Shirley.
0: At least I learned a lesson from this week. At least I know that I am not at the mercy of that brewery. And I know that I can stand on these two feet when the going gets rough, and I can make it.
2: She was 75. Her family says she died after a brief illness. She was in movies, too, like The Conversation and American Graffiti and appeared in dozens of other TV shows. America's listening to Fox News.
3: Good morning, it's 7.31 at News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne, 65. It's mostly cloudy in Pensacola right now. A century woman sentenced to eight years in prison for child neglect and not reporting child sexual abuse. North Escambia reporting Tabitha Ann Tedder was sentenced last week. Her husband, Norman Tedder, found incompetent to stand trial, sent to Lakeview. He's due back in court. In April, another relative, Michael Tedder, sentenced to 30 years in prison for child sexual battery, and his wife sentenced to a year and a half. The Tedder family was found living in horrid conditions with several children and two campers in Century last year. That investigation began after one child reported the abuse to a school counselor. Investigation continuing after a fatal shooting at a large house party in Bellevue over the weekend. Sheriff Chip Simmons telling Channel 3 more than 100 people showed up at this house on Pin High Drive on Sunday. It's the most
4: odd thing about this, this is a, a residential neighborhood and there were cars lined all out front and we didn't get a single call.
3: Simmons says four men showed up with guns, began shooting around one o'clock that morning. The sheriff's office says uh, one man was taken to the hospital where he died so far. No suspects have been announced. Another complaint filed against Jesse Lacoste. This one from a state agency. News Radio's Joe Ford.
2: According to Channel 3, an administrative complaint was filed by the Department of Business and Professional Regulation. While it's not clear what the nature of the complaint is or if it's tied to a specific case, Lacoste has already been arrested twice and is facing complaints from dozens of local homeowners who say he failed to complete or even start construction work that he was paid for. To date, he's been fined over $138,000 in order to pay restitution in the amount of $1.3 million. Earlier this month, Lacoste asked the Escambia Contractor Competency Board to reinstate his license so he could get back to work, which they denied. And on Wednesday, the board will meet again, and on their agenda is another disciplinary hearing. Joe Ford, News Radio 92 3.
3: Florida Republicans say it's time to remove the government permission slip. They're introducing a constitutional carry bill for this year's legislative session.
4: Central to the idea of freedom is the right that we can defend ourselves against physical attack as well as defend those that we love. The Constitution did not give us those rights. Our creator gave us those rights, but it does put it down on paper in the Second Amendment.
3: House Speaker Paul Renner says lawmakers will be considering that proposal when the legislative session begins March 7th. Current bans on carrying weapons at places like schools and athletic events would still be in effect, and non-Florida residents could carry concealed firearms if they're 21 or older. 20 highway projects from throughout the state. Well, the governor would like to see him fast-tracked. He's planning on committing $7 billion over the next four years, with $4 billion of that coming from a budget surplus.
2: These are things we're going to have to do anyways. We have more than enough resources to make it happen much sooner. And if you think about waiting uh, in the normal pipeline, a lot of these problems are going to be exacerbated by then. So I think we got to get moving on it.
3: The Moving Florida Forward proposal includes one local project. It would be $162 million to improve I-10 from the eastbound way station to Nine Mile Road. And 10 people were hurt in a drive-by shooting in Polk County yesterday. And that happened in Lakeland. Police Chief Sam Taylor there says four shooters opened fire from a dark car. Uh, Police say two victims are in critical condition and eight others have non-life-threatening injuries. 7.35 right now, it's News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at your traffic on the fives with Jenna Barr.
0: You'll still experience some stop-and-go traffic if you're heading to Mary Esther on Navarre Parkway. That's heading eastbound, beginning around Biscayne Boulevard area until you get to about Hurlbert Field. In Milton, Ward Basin Road is still showing those slowdowns in both directions in the area of East Milton Elementary School. And in Pensacola, heading into Pace, We'll see some minor slowdowns on Highway 90 heading eastbound and front gate of NES Pensacola is showing minor delays at this moment. Still seeing that fog on this morning drive, so double check that your headlights are on. And if you have a traffic tip, call 850-2626-111. I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable.
3: We're going to be seeing mostly cloudy skies today with temperatures warming up near 71 degrees. We will have a 10% chance of a few stray showers, otherwise cloudy skies, low tonight near 60. As you go into Wednesday, small chance of rain continues, 10% chance of rain overall with mostly cloudy skies. High on Wednesday near 71, Wednesday night temperatures dropping near 62. Rain chance will increase by Thursday with 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high near 76. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Right now, 65, it's mostly cloudy in Pensacola, 65 in Gulf Breeze, and 64 in Milton. Your next news at 8 o'clock. Breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. News Radio 92.3, now it's time to play. Which host did this? Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, or Bobby Rossi?
2: This host was a competitive opera singer. La, 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 la. Who is it? Time's up. The correct
3: answer is Jenna Barr. Get to know our local hosts by listening to News Radio 923. 923. Informative, local, dependable.
1: Good morning, it's 739 here on News Radio 92 3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News, and uh, today we get a special treat. Instead of Sheriff Simmons from the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, we have Commander Andrew Hobbs. Uh, Commander, welcome back to the show, sir. Good morning. Good to have you. Uh, so let's start with this. Um, we have, have several events we need to talk to before we get to some of the other things, but uh, this house party in uh, Bellevue on Pinhigh Drive. Um, tell me what happened here because I've seen a couple of the reports and it's pretty s- concerning stuff, honestly. But what happened?
4: Yeah, so there was an open house party on Penn High uh, this weekend. Uh, it started to gain a lot of popularity on social media, so a lot of people started to come. Um, during that time, a minimum of four uh, suspects showed up wearing all dark clothing, masks. They walked into the um, front yard and in through the house and uh, ended up shooting a victim. Uh, We do not believe this was a random act of violence. We believe that they were there for some exact reason. We're not sure if the victim was their target or not, but um, we are in the midst of just interviewing copious amounts of people. Uh, You know, There was over 100 people at the scene when it occurred. Uh, So our investigators are going through and interviewing yesterday when I spoke to uh, Colonel Mike Gilmore. Uh, He said that they were tens and tens and tens, tens and dozens and dozens of people there. So they're just working through um, pulling video from the community, the neighbors there, So we're just trying to work through it and try to confirm who they were.
1: And with that number of people, you'd almost expect there could have even been video of the incident or while the incident was happening. Anything like that? Or can you say at this point? I know sometimes you can't say. Yeah, not right now. But if
4: anyone does have information or they have, they've looked and they saw some video on one of their surveillance cameras at their house that may have seen a vehicle or something like that, we're asking them to call the sheriff's office. Or you can even call Crime Stoppers um, if you want to stay anonymous.
1: So – Tell me if I'm wrong about this, but this is reminiscent of the um, uh, the football field shooting where you had a large crowd of people mm-hmm. and you had a group of assailants mm-hmm. show up apparently looking for a person mm-hmm. that was the person in that large group of people that they were looking for and then... conducting a crime correct i mean it sounds very similar the situation is completely different but the, the sort of the social setting and the the way the event kind of built and was highly populated and then this is what happened it sounds similar to me
4: it does have some of the same flair to it
1: okay OK, so right now we're just looking for these four people or anybody who has any information about.
4: Yeah, at least this. four people. There might have been more suspects oh, okay. there. Um, but speaking to some of the first witnesses, it appears that at a minimum of four, um, they believe to be African-American males showed up, dark clothing, mask on, walked in. Um, and it looked to be uh, right now it does not appear to be a random act of violence. OK,
1: all right. Uh, we also had uh, what shots fired into cars on Wisteria Avenue. Is that right?
4: Yeah, um, the people woke up. Some neighbors woke up the, the yesterday morning, walked out, and found that their vehicle had had a couple of bullet holes in it. Uh, again,
1: but no reports uh, of the gunfire itself. No,
4: not. They thought they heard something that sounded like fireworks Hard to that tell. night. Sure, but they didn't. They didn't go out and look at it. Um, that again. Uh, our preliminary investigations, we have some leads we're following up on, but that doesn't look like that's a random. That looks like that was a targeted issue of the people who own that vehicle.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, We also had a uh, kind of an unusual incident. There was a bomb scare at uh, the Highway 29 Walmart last week, right? Yeah.
4: um, This weekend. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. This weekend that occurred uh, in the bathroom area of, um, I don't know if it's in the men's room or the ladies' room, but they found, uh, something that looked suspicious it ended up being batteries wrapped in tape. And I don't know if someone thought they were being funny or 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 why they did it. Um, but the U.S. Mar- or, sorry, the fire marshals at the state of Florida fire marshals bomb squad came in, took possession of it. But during that time, you have to evacuate everybody mm-hmm. to make sure because you never know if it's something real or not. So we treat every bomb situation as if it's real
1: and this is a case not just of a a bag but that once they got into whatever it was it would it it, you know it would look like something that was designed to scare or hurt correct And, and
4: you know that's an ongoing investigation if we can determine who put it there yeah what their reasonings for you can go to jail for that that's not funny it's it's it costs first and foremost. People putting people in fear, but it also costs a lot of money to Walmart. Right. They're still playing for those employees. People who need medication, people who need food, people who need everything can't go in there and do it for the hour or two it takes to do all that because then you do a secondary search of of to make sure there's no other devices, things like that. It's just a amount of manpower and resources. It's just... It's not funny.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, I remember I lived in England for a little while, and I remember, you know, this is what happens when somebody leaves a bag on the tube, you know, and mm-hmm. then they close down. And it's, I mean, you know, that's unfortunately sort of a way of life for some places around the world, not something we have nearly as much. You no, know, thank, no, no goodness. thank goodness. Yeah. Is that, um, that Walmart is right across from your substation. Is that one where you typically—I know the one uh, that, that I typically go to on Creighton always has PPD on duty. Mm-hmm. Is there a sheriff's office deputy typically as—not on not on duty, but as extra duty at that Walmart?
4: Sometimes, depending on the holidays. And, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they usually do hire— us or florida highway patrol um but not all the time
1: and and in this case were they part of the first response or do you know i do not know but but
4: i don't think we had anybody off duty there at the time okay i mean it's literally right across from the right i mean you can walk across to it yeah
1: you used to do the shop with a cop there yeah (laughs) it's like stage and walk 60 yards from the front door yeah (laughs) we're talking to uh, commander andrew hobbs from the escambia county sheriff's Office. um i wanted to ask you uh one florida question and then one We're going to talk about Tyree Nichols a little bit. Um, uh, I heard the sheriff yesterday talking on Channel 3 about the prospect of permit-less concealed carry. And just to be clear for anybody who hasn't really been following this, the proposal is not for open carry. It is for still concealed carry. Anybody who would be eligible to get a concealed carry permit would be able to carry without a concealed carry permit under the proposal that I think is obviously going to pass and become law this summer uh your thought uh you know the sheriff's association was there supporting it uh several sheriffs were there to support it as well uh your thoughts on permit less concealed carry
4: well first and foremost the sheriff's office is going to enforce any law that the state puts in forth um if you have the constitutional right to carry a firearm you should be able to carry a firearm you it doesn't um the people we deal with on a normal basis are not going to be the tax-paying uh law-abiding citizens that are going to follow the rules anyway. So, yeah, it it doesn't really impact our lives as deputy sheriffs. We would have to make sure that we understand the law completely and that's in training and you know just the continued education we do on a daily basis, but uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really adversely affect our jobs at all.
1: How common is it in your perception? I want to ask you for numbers, but how common is it in your perception that somebody having a concealed carry deters or thwarts a crime in escambia county
4: Ooh, um i do not know i have no idea but i do believe that um if you look nationwide Mm -hmm. there is a lot of um examples of good guys with guns stopping threats and
1: sure we had two in the news in the last day correct yeah
4: so um again as long as people understand that you have to be careful because if we have a law that says you don't have to have a permit, but you, you then travel to a state that says that, mm. then that puts you in a, a bit of a, a bind. Um, and there's also some other things with the permit. You don't have to wait to buy a gun. You know, right. those. there's some other things that are positives. Um, but, yeah, taxpaying good law-abiding citizens should have their constitutional rights
1: yeah i mean i have a permit if this if this law became the law had been the law i probably wouldn't have gotten a permit but it's nice to have one yeah (laughs) you know especially for travel purposes among other things uh last thing and i definitely wanted to you know give all my law enforcement uh, folks a chance to weigh in on this Uh, i know you have seen the uh, tyree nichols video uh it's very difficult to watch uh talked about extensively with uh, shane tucker yesterday but your thoughts on what you saw on that video
4: So um, outrage, uh, disgust, disappointment, and uh, the biggest thing is I know how hard the men and women of law enforcement, especially in Escambia County in the state of Florida, work to be professional, courtesy, integrity, professionalism, common sense of decency. And then when you see something like that, it just makes everything we did or we do look minute because that's going to get all the play mm-hmm. that five people. And if you start to look at it, there's some reports that Memphis lowered their standards of hiring. So there's your first problem. And and when I was in the FBI National Academy, we talked about these things and I, I brought it down to, it's all about professionalism, training and education And if you go and you see these issues at agencies, you can find that they lowered their standards, they're not training them properly, and they're not holding people accountable. So I think that when this all unwinds and the whole investigation comes out, you're going to start to see some of those issues that that agency probably had. Um, that, That was not law enforcement, what I saw from the start, middle, and end. That was criminal. That was disgusting. And... It wasn't even a professional traffic stop to start with. I mean, that's not even a professional traffic stop. If you think he's such a violent criminal that you, ha- you have to get him out of the car that fast, you would do a felony traffic stop. Those are just things. That was a mugging. That was an attack. That was, um, you know, and there's been no law enforcement personnel that I've spoken to since I came out that thought that was okay. There's, again, there's no one in this world that hates a bad cop worse than a good cop because we're working our butts off out there in a the community. And again, some of these, again, when I was in the NA, uh, there were some agencies there that had lowered their standards. And I was like, why would you do that? All the Florida agencies were like, why would you do that? And they're like, well, we can't get candidates. Yeah. Well, that's because the community they work in doesn't want law enforcement. They're wanting to defund it. They're doing those things. So your best, your brightest don't want to go work there because they're going to be in an environment that's not conducive. And so all the Florida agencies were like shocked when we're hearing this. There was big agencies from the Midwest and the North that have really lowered their standards. And we were like, well, y'all are going to have the problems like this because you're hiring people that no one else will hire. You know, there's people here at the Skamby County Sheriff's Office and most every agency I know in the state of Florida. You have a psychological evaluation. You have a background check where they go and they interview people. We look throughout your whole past since you're an adult. Mm -hmm we still have over 400 applicants to come work at the Escambia County Sheriff's Office. And it's because of the community we live in and the state of Florida. We're supported locally and we're supported through the state. But you have to hold a standard. Sheriff Simmons holds a standard. Common sense and decency, courtesy, integrity, professional. We, from the day they walk into our doors at the Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Simmons and the command staff and everyone from deputy up knows that there's a standard that Sheriff Simmons holds, and I think that's the biggest issue. Is you're seeing these agencies, there was no standard held, or that standard was lowered, and it, we're a profession.
1: I can see how these uh, agencies like this are caught in a spiral, right? I mean, the you know the community, the, the police are not liked in the community. Uh, it's hard to get good cops in. They lower their standards. That creates more problems. Doesn't you know thrown thrown un you know lesser qualified bodies at the problem doesn't solve the core problem of ha- not having as adept a police agency. And I appreciate what you guys do, and that's why I wanted to have you talk about this, because that's the same exact thing uh, yesterday that um, you know that uh, Shane Tucker was saying about uh, training professionalism, and that wasn't law enforcement. That was uh, brutality. Um, uh, Commander ha- Andrew Hobbs of the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, sir, as always, good to have you. Uh, thanks for the I time this morning. Appreciate and we appreciate it. what we appreciate what the Escambia County Sheriff's Office does to do things right.
4: I appreciate it. We try it every day.
1: Uh, 753 on News Radio 923 I'm Andrew McKay in a world of payroll and HR services, things can get complicated. There are so many moving parts in business. At Avalon HR, we understand and we have your back. Join us on the Pensacola Expert Panel as we guide you through the complicated world of payroll and HR services. Running a business is busy work. Allow Avalon HR to work
0: with you. Join us tomorrow on the Pensacola Expert Panel at 10. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92 3 AM 1620. Hey, y'all, this is your girl, Cheryl Underwood, and I want to tell you something. My digestive system used to make me
4: feel sluggish, but those days are over. Now I feel great. That's because I increased my fiber intake with the Metamucil 2-Week Challenge, and I'm still hooked. I just took Metamucil every day for 14 days, and it's really that easy. Metamucil traps and removes the waste that weighs you down, so you feel lighter and more energetic. Now, I never want to go back to that heavy feeling. Are you ready for the Metamucil 2-Week Challenge for a coupon and daily support? Sign up at Metamucil.com today.
3: News Radio 92.3. Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, Brian Kilmeade, Dave Ramsey, Bobby Rossi, and Lars Larson. Informative, local, dependable. I just hear that name and I shut up. Mufasa. Mufasa. Do it again. Mufasa. Ooh. Mufasa, Ooh. Mufasa, <laughs> Mufasa.
0: Mufasa. Mufasa. <laughs> it tingles me. And all you'd ever hear me say is how.
1: I think it's safe to say that neither neither Jenna nor David expected me to be jumping up and down at that moment. Uh, (laughs) Now, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines.
3: David? The Biden administration planning to end two COVID-related emergencies in May. Uh, the White House informed Congress they plan on ending both the national emergency and public health emergency May 11th. That'll also end most of the COVID relief money. Illinois prosecutors dropping charges against R. Kelly. Illinois State Attorney Kim Fox says they've decided not to pursue the case because Kelly's already facing decades in prison on federal convictions. Due
0: to the extensive sentences that these convictions hold, our office has decided not to continue to expend our limited resources and court time with the, with the indictments that we previously charged Mr. Kelly.
3: R. Kelly was sentenced to 30 years in June and uh, scheduled to be sentenced next month in Chicago. And some major insurance companies might be ending coverage for Kia and Hyundai owners because of all those theft issues. CNN reports State Farm and Progressive have both confirmed they're going to be limiting the sale of new policies on certain models of vehicles by those manufacturers because they lack anti-theft devices that are used in other cars. Of course, uh, thefts of uh, Kias and Hyundais have been up, I, I believe it was like 600 and some percent. Yeah, I
1: forget the exact detail here, but there's some method you can use yes. or whatever that bypasses whatever they have.
3: I believe it was one of those TikTok videos yeah, went around exactly. showing how to do it or something. Yeah. yeah so. Can you imagine,
1: though, you Ooh. you buy a car, you find out later that that car has a defective security in, in the sense that it's not adequate, and then uh, now all of a sudden they're getting stolen and insurers aren't going to cover it anymore. What do you do? <laughs> I mean, you know, right? You just sell the car fast if you can. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. Seven fifty-seven here on News Radio ninety two three. Um, just one point that uh, Andrew Hobbs made that I wanted to focus in on is he was talking about how obviously this video and the Tyree Nichols case is something that everybody is familiar with who's been watching the news at all, and uh, most people have seen some version of that video, if not the entire thing. And you know, he made a really good point that's so important is that. What? How much work is done by good law enforcement agencies and even by mediocre or, you know, by all law enforcement agencies to try to do good things in the community, to, you know, raise the interactive quality, to uh, do community policing, to like we're doing here, you know, outreach to citizens and, the, um, you know, giving gift cards away at Christmas like PPD does or doing movie nights, just all the stuff. OK. And then something like this happens. And all of a sudden, every law enforcement agency in the nation is the victim of this horrible, atrocious behavior by these bad cops, right? Because now everybody has seen that video, has seen this news story, has heard the talk about it, and everybody's reputation suffers. And, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's true even in Memphis, okay? But I know it's true here You don't get a news story about the traffic incident where the cop handles it properly and everything goes smoothly and it's just not a news story whether they get arrested or not because it's handled well. That doesn't make for much news. So you don't get that video and you don't watch it 5,000. Just like when the plane takes off and lands safely, you don't watch that video over and over. But they show the one of the, you know, the crash a thousand times. Which is in the nature of how news works, and is in the nature of human psychology. But the point is, is that the vast context of proper behavior doesn't get much airtime, but the one horrible, terrible, awful incident gets played a
3: million times. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 WNRP, Gulf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.